I'm excited about this morning because I'm excited about the season we're in. It's been hard this past season. It's been hard and it's been unto something. It really has been unto something. And I want to unpack a bit for you today what the unto something is, why it might have been a bit hard and where we're going. Because we are going and we're going places. The Lord has a mandate on this church. He really does. He has a calling on this church. If you're part of this family... It's because there's individual callings, there's individual mandates in this room. That makes up our corporate thing. Like, it's because of you, we're going somewhere. Let that settle. It's because of you that we can go somewhere in his power, in his grace. There's a mandate and a calling on all of us here. And I feel like, we feel like we're on a, a threshold. A threshold is like a doorway that we're going through into the next season. There's been a building up to it. We've come through a few before last year. There were about two times during the year where we were passing through something, hitting something, and then the breakthrough. Often you'll find even numbers come to the church around after that breakthrough happens. It's like there's an increase because there's ability to hold the increase. There's development. It's, it's okay now. We're in the next season. And we feel like we're starting to do that again, but this one feels big. There's an upgrade coming, and it feels like it's going to be quite a significant shift. So I'm not surprised there's been quite a preparation season. Anyone feel like it's been a season of, oh my gosh, the last while? And I want to unpack a few areas as to possibly why. On the board, I'm going to cover four areas that I feel have been primary areas where the Lord has, in His kindness, been shaking us. And these are the four areas that I'm asking us to get sorted in order to stand in the next season. You might not be a note taker or anything, but these four points are even the four points I would ask us to pray for in this month of fasting. So even if you can just write down the four words or the four areas, even on the day you just pray for this church, may it be those four areas that it's like, Lord, bring us through or help people come through in these four areas. These four areas, if they are left unsorted, will take us out in the next season. On the, on the, the, I'll just see like the scene of an army, just on that battlefield, these are four doors. If left unsorted, we can't stand. Okay, so I'm going to chat through them and some of us may start to go, oh yeah, I've been working on, the Lord's been working that on me the last six months even. I feel as the year turned, it got really rough for some of us. And even right up to, you know, core leadership, right across different areas, we've been shaken in different areas. Earlier this year, I was like, oh, my giddy aunt. And there was just sand going everywhere. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It's like shaking and sand going everywhere. And then I'm catching up with different people in the Hunt Life team or different people helping with intercession. And everyone's shaking. Everyone's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> and it's just been sand shaking all over the place. Brad and Lisa, us. Your life hub leaders are not being too well. Some of them, like, seriously, it's been a... Any of you been like that too? In, in so many areas. And some of that is actually just the Lord's kindness because he's pulling out roots. It's a good thing when sand's going everywhere. It means some, some good outcomes are coming. He's been pulling out some bad roots, which means dust goes flying. In his kindness, so that we can last on the battlefield, there's been sand flying. Other areas is there can be a spiritual attack. There often is when it comes to crossing a threshold. It can come to do anything to make us retreat. Anything for us not to get through this doorway. That's the scariest thing. 
The enemy is not scared about any of your pasts. You do know that, hey? He's scared about your future. There's not one person in this room that has a past that threatens the enemy. It's your future, and he's after it. The past of our church, he's not going after our past. He's going after where we're going. So sometimes there can be an attack as well. That can be some of the sand going as well. And it's really important that we know that and we stand. And after all things, to just stand. Okay, and some of you, all of us, I just want to say well done. There's been a whole lot of just standing ground going on in this, in this room. And here we are. Okay, we're going through, we're going through. But in this month of fasting, I highly recommend we check these four areas. Lord, are one of these areas a weak point in my life? Because we will feel it when we're out there. When the pressure's on, the areas that are weak will crumble. Last week, I was spending time in the book of Judges. Um, and I was reading about the story of Gideon. And I felt actually a lot of these topics, these four areas, come through in Gideon's story. Gideon was someone who thought of himself as really small and weak and insignificant. And God chose him. So we've got, you know, Joshua's taken the people into the land of Canaan. He's taken them over the Jordan. They're going to, to take the land. Yeah? We know already that the Lord has given us this. We've given us Quranna. He's given us Mandra and the Peel region. We're getting our mandate for beyond, but we know that much so far. That's the picture we know so far. And we're coming at it from all angles. You know, there's, you know, there's evangelism, there's praying, there's different things. But at the moment, he's got us on a strategy. I'm going to take you to back to this at the end of my sermon. He's got us on a strategy of actually just cleansing the airways and the ground and healing. There's actually a lot of territorial and corporate strongholds and spirits that he's actually had us go after. Because we can have all the programs we want. We can't take ground if that's not cleaned. And there's been a lot of stuff that's actually in this area and welcomed into this area terribly that we've been going after, which will make the going in practically really easy. So that's what Burning Ones has been really about. It's been strategic. Get here tonight if you want to be part of that amazing strategic plan that's been going. But in the story of Gideon, so the Israelites came in and they were taking their promised land, like we have promised land for us. But it didn't last very long before they just started to live for other gods again. And then the Lord would raise up someone to, okay, so this is after Joshua died, raise up people to, okay, we're going back in again. And they would start cleansing themselves, living from the Lord again, and then it wouldn't happen. You know, Deborah going in, and then very after Deborah came, very after Deborah came, do you like my English sentence? Very after Deborah came, um, <laughs> Gideon. And God chose Gideon. Small, least, little Gideon, any of us in this room feel like, ah, oh, it's just, don't you want to choose the greatest in the land, not little me? Well, here's some little lessons for us. We aren't just little me. And I think that battle needs to stop. So we're going to spend pretty much the whole, only biblical passages I'm going to focus on is in the book of Judges. So if you want to just hang out there, um, either on your phone Bible or on your real Bible, we won't be flicking too much just to let you know. So we're in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 11. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. So this is where God calls Gideon. So there's a visitation. Gideon is visited. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree at Oprah. Ooh, she's in the Bible. Which belonged to Joash and Abelizrite. And his son Gideon was beating the wheat in the winepress. The wheat in the wine press. 
He was beating wheat in the wine press instead of the threshing floor. So because they were such, under such oppression from the Midianites, he's having to actually hide what he's doing and do it in a secret place so that the Midianites wouldn't see what he's doing. They're under oppression from people they are allowed to stay in the promised land alongside him. He's a person under oppression. Anyone here feeling like it's been a bit like that? But you can imagine if we were under oppression from another people group, if we were in war... I wonder what would be going on in our hearts. Let's find out what was going on in Gideon's heart. So he's doing, he's doing that hard, hard work. And that's when the angel of the Lord decides to come speak to him, when he's a bit miffed. And what, did, what were the two things? The Lord is with you, O oh, brave man. We're going to hover over those two things. He told him who the Lord is. He's someone who's with us. And he told him who he is. You are brave. The Lord is with you. Right now, while you're really, really battling and oppressed, the Lord is with you, and you are brave. Let's see Gideon's response. Verse 13. But Gideon said to him, please, my Lord. By the way, I read the Amplified Bible, so if there's a couple more words on mine that aren't in yours, it's still spiritual. But Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Has any of us been there? And where are all his wondrous works, which our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? So we've got someone who's wounded with God. Things are tough. You're not showing up. But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Things are hard. The Lord has abandoned us. So that can be a wound. We're going to look at that one today. The Lord turned to him through this angel and said, Go in this strength of yours. So it keeps telling him who he is. And save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? So he's saying, yeah, you felt abandoned by me, but I'm calling you to do it. You, you do it. I'm not going to rescue you. I'm going to move through you. So what was Gideon's response when he got told who he was? You are strong, you are brave, and now you are called. Gideon said... Please, Lord, how am I to rescue Israel? Behold, my family is the least significant in Manasseh, and I am the youngest, the smallest, in my father's house. So God calls him and he says, I'm the least, I'm the smallest. When we hear a superlative, which is when there's an EST usually on the word, advertising uses this, it's the extreme. Highest, lowest, tallest, shortest, thinnest, fattest, Longest, shortest, that's a superlative. Advertising, biggest sale ever. Shortest amount of time. Big, you know, so, so now Gideon's saying all the things that are the extreme. I'm the smallest, shortest, least. Why would you call me? Welcome to who the Lord usually chooses. <laughs> Loaves and fishes. He usually uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Yeah? So he says... I am the lowest, I am the least. And the Lord begins to speak into that. I'm going to keep going. And the Lord answered him and speaks about who the Lord is. I will certainly be with you. That is the wounding that he spoke straight into. Gideon said, you haven't been here, you've abandoned us. And the Lord speaks into the wounding. I will certainly be with you. You will strike down the Midianites as if they were only one man. So then Gideon replied to him, if I found any favor in your sight, show me a sign. Repair my trust. Repair my trust. So I'm wondering if one of the first areas that we might have been battling in that needs to come back to 
is who is he? If this isn't sorted, then are we going to trust him to be there when we're out on the battlefield and him alone can actually bring the, the breakthrough? It's, it's his anointing that breaks the yoke. We need him to move. He's the only one. Even if we're the prayer minister, or we're the, the, the speaker, or we're the worshipper, or we're the evangelist, it's only by his spirit that things get done. We don't have a church of programs. We're a church that moves in his strength and his anointing. Have we sorted out who he is? Has he abandoned us? Is that somewhere deep in our heart that's not being completely excavated? If that hasn't been sorted, we're going to be taken out when the pressure comes. So sometimes in our life, maybe the last six months, this is one that came up for me. I never even knew I had offense with the Lord, and it came up big time. Major anger with him that the Lord, by his grace, helped me to get to the bottom of. It was a big journey for me the first half of this year. Is who is he to me, and where was he? Where were you when dot, dot, dot? A lot of us have that deep down in our heart. It needs to get sorted, and the Lord loves to come and speak into that. And then Gideon did a journey with the Lord. Gideon said, if this is really you and you're saying that, I just want to test you. And the Lord was okay with that. He said, stay, you know, he said to this angel, stay under this tree. I'm going to go and I'm going to get a goat and I'm going to go and get, I'm going to make bread and I'm going to bring broth. So he went to get the sacrifice and he went and he got goat and and leaven and and broth and he brought it uh, to this angel under the (laughs) cherubinth tree. And he's needing to know, is God, is this you, God? So the angel said, okay, put the goat and the bread on this rock and pour the broth all over it. So make it wet. We've seen this a few times in the Bible. Make something wet. And then the angel put out a staff and the whole thing lit up in flames and cooked completely and you know, became ashes, even though it was wet. So he did a miracle in front of Gideon to speak to his heart, to show him who he was. So verse 22, when Gideon realized without any doubt, very important, that he was the angel of the Lord, he declared, this is so funny, I burst out laughing when I read this. He declared, oh no, Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face and I am doomed. Sometimes when we finally see our calling, we go, oh and then there's a word that comes next. <laughs> like, oh no, it is you who's called me. This is serious. This is real. And he freaked out and went, no, nah, I'm doomed. That's my amplified Bible. I'm sure that's what he said. Um, and the Lord said to him, peace to you. Do not be afraid. You shall not die. Have peace. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. He rose that morning going, the Lord is abandoner. And later that day, the Lord is peace. We need to get that sorted with the Lord. And we need to bring that wound to the Lord. We need to deal with that before we go through into this next season of upgrade. Who is he to us? We need our trust healed. This one has to do with trust. A lot of this has to do with trust. So if there's a trust issue when it comes to his ability, you will we'll see soon, same with Joshua, when it came to then defeating armies, how many of you know that trust needs to be solid? And if we can't trust him in our personal life, where have you been to me, then it's okay that there's a squeeze on that in the moment in some of our lives. Like a tire, a tube, and you put it under the water and there's pressure, it shows where the holes are. And some of us have been under pressure 
that tire tube has been under the water and it's been like in any area where we didn't realize that we didn't believe in God, stick a bit of pressure on it, the air has come out and it's been a bit of a squealing. So I'm wondering if there's some people in the room today that goes, yeah, there's been some pressure in my life and I've realized that's where some of the air gaps are. The Lord wants to heal that because it's pressure when you're defeating armies. And that same hole will release the same air. And we can't afford that. Okay. Are we understanding point number one? And so in this next month, really start to take this area to the Lord. Maybe it's an area of wounding at the moment. Maybe it's a, I don't know, Lord, if there's complete trust in you there. But reveal it. If you're not sure, if you battle with trusting the Lord, think back to a time where you've been in the absolute fire recently. Because who we are in the fire is who we are. What screams were being made in the toughness? If any of it had to do with the Lord, it's his kindness that he has been extracting and exposing any of that lack of trust. What comes out when you're having prayer from someone, when you're sitting with God, if any of it has to do with who he is to you, let's get that sorted. Okay, what else did Gideon battle with? Not only who is he, but who am I? Major area. I am coming across person after person after person in this beautiful church family full of called people who don't know who they are or think they know exactly who they are and there's a whole bunch of negative words attached to it. I'm only dot, dot, dot. But I've been here, but I've got that, but this is my past. I'm just dot, dot, dot. Uh, 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 uh. If we don't know that we are called, chosen, daughters, sons of the king, and we don't start to operate out of complete acceptance, complete sonship, and complete belief that we are called spiritually, that we have a mandate, then there's a problem. And as soon as we get to a place that goes, who are you? You're just, whether that's the demonic talking to us, or whether that's a person, we're going to go, you're right. I'm just, dot, dot, dot. And it doesn't take much. It's like the tire tube under the water put us in a pressure valve. What comes out about ourselves? Are we in relationship with ourselves? Have we healed our relationship with us? Our relationship with our bodies? Our personalities? The call on our life? Are we at peace with ourselves? Gideon was not at peace with himself. And what did the Lord call him? He's like, I'm a little man. I'm young, and my family is not known. We're from a such and such family line. Have any of you got a, I'm just from da 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 family line. I'm the first Christian in my family. My family's broken. I've just come to the Lord. I've already had three divorces. You're probably really called. That sounds like the family line of Jesus. Let's look at, you know, Rahab the prostitute in his family line. It doesn't bother him our past. It really, really doesn't. But if we don't believe who we are, then good luck us fighting someone else who's telling us who we're not. Can we go back to the story of Gideon a little bit more? So he doesn't believe who he is. He's little, and God says, you are brave, and you will defeat them, oh, strong man. He keeps telling us who we are. So uh, then Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it the Lord is Peace. So he's now back in relationship with the Lord. Then on that same night, the Lord said, okay, now I need you to consecrate and clean the area. Um, 
And so he went out and tore, tore down the idols in the area. So I'm just going to skip that little bit. He was a bit afraid. He was still a bit afraid Gideon. So he took 10 of his mates in the nighttime because his father had actually erected the idols and the, 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 the towers that are to the goddesses, the wooden poles and things like that. And so he went in the nighttime, took the bull that of his father, ripped it all down with his 10 mates. And in the morning, his, uh, the people of the town came up and said, where's all the idols? Your son did it, because they found out it was Gideon. And his father said, let the idols speak for themselves. Do they, I thought you said they were gods. If they want to, you know, someone to fight for them, they can say it themselves. So Gideon was saved. Um, but it came with consecrating and cleansing, which we're going to get on to soon. And then he started to get on to, okay, so I'm going to battle and save these people. And his fear came back again. You know the story of putting out the fleece? Testing God again? Okay. So the first one was, who are you to me? The Lord healed that. You are a God of peace. Now this one was, and are you going to come through with my calling? Are you going to do what you said you're going to do? So are you who, who are you? And are you going to do what you said you would do? And he didn't have trust in that area. We see Gideon completely, like some of us, was lacking a bit of trust. So the sign of the fleece. Chapter 6, verse 36. Then Gideon said to God, if you are going to rescue Israel through me, if you're really, really going to use me, I don't think his question was, if you're going to rescue Israel, prove it. Because for some of us, I don't think we battle with the idea that God's going to do what God's going to do. It was, if you're going to rescue Israel through me, if you're actually going to use little me, I need some big proof. So, I'm just going to dry up my whiteboard marker if I don't put a lid on it. Teach your brain. Okay, so, if you're going to rescue Israel through me as you have spoken, behold, I will put a fleece of fleshly sheared wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and it's dry on the ground around it, then I will know that you have rescued Israel through me. So it's about his calling, as you have said. And it was so when he got up early the next morning and squeezed the dew out of the fleece, he wrung it a bowl full of water. So God's like, I definitely called you. And he's like, okay, cool. Don't get you angry. Don't get angry that I may just speak once more. Uh, can I make a test once more with the fleece? Now, let only the fleece be dry and then water and dew all on the ground all around it. And God did that night. It was dry only on the fleece and there was dew all on the ground. So for some of us, we need to do a bit of a journey of, have you really called me? Are you going to use me? And then God did some testing back on him. So for some of us, it's who am I? Number two. And for some of us, our battle at the moment is we're filled with who am I not? Wow, no one's getting contact. Okay, it's who am I not? Let's start with biblical characters. Is there anyone in the Bible that in our eyes should not have deserved to be called and used of God? Any people coming to mind? I've got this little cute thing I want to read out. Jacob was a cheater. Peter was a temper, had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. We've seen that. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. 
Elijah was moody, Moses stuttered, Zacchaeus was short, Abraham was old, and Lazarus was dead. <laughs> it actually looks like a whole book full of people who in our eyes should be disqualified. And that's how the Lord works. All the way through, Moses, come on and rescue my people, but I can't speak. He chose someone who couldn't speak, or who believed he couldn't speak, to rescue a nation using speaking lots of the time. Yeah? yeah? So the very areas that we can disqualify ourselves for, he uses. It is one of the most amazing privileges to do prayer ministry with someone who doesn't believe they're called, loved, chosen by God. The most precious, precious sessions are when someone comes to ministry who in the natural knows they were not wanted by their parents, not planned. It was maybe two parents only met that night and never knew each other again. They weren't married. They're the eighth kid and the parents didn't want it. They're straight after uh, twins and maybe they wanted a baby, but not so soon. And there's all of this knowing deep in their identity of, I'm actually not supposed to be here. Oh man, the enemy goes after right into our starting blocks and tries to take us out then. And when you sit with someone in that ministry session and the Lord starts to speak, and shows them that even if in the natural, it was even a rape situation or there was an attempted abortion and the Lord shows them and you're just watching it happen. I called you, I chose you. Yeah. I was in a session this week with a beautiful man in our church and there were the two of us ministering and I heard a crack in the sound of heaven when he was conceived, I heard the sound of him. That's never happened before. It was so powerful. And then the room was just filled with holiness I've never experienced it before, and I'm just feeling this holiness, holy, that's all I could say over and over again. Holy, holy, holy. And it was a man who in the natural was not wanted. But God says so much different, and he was right there. The crack that happened in heaven, it's like all of heaven turned the moment that this, there was a conception of this man. And when this man saw it, the identity shift that's already happening this week. When we realize we're chosen, we're called. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are around our birth. We are called. We've got to get this sorted. And some of us in our roots of, of how we were made, we've got a lie. The lie came then. And the enemy is such a liar. And we've come into agreement with the father of lies and we've been living out of that lie. We need to minister to that root and get the truth in there and then you see someone run. Yeah. Then you see someone fly. It was the most precious part of my year, I think, was that afternoon. And another, another person's up and running. That just changes everything. And for some of us, we actually need to sort out, who am I? And I'm wondering, is there anyone in the room where this year it's been like, who am I has been the subject that's come up? And that's the Lord's kindness. Because if we don't know who we are, then we're going to be out there on the field and in our own, in the back we go, I know, but the word says, stand in who Jesus says I am. So, and stand in the power of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they go, yeah, but who are you? We need to know, I'm his son, thank you very much. I'm redeemed, I'm covered. Yeah, but what about this sin? What about this past? Do some of you have a history in the occult? doesn't matter. You're chosen. What about a huge sexual past? You're chosen. 
attempted abortion around your, you know, being born, or an extra kid not wanted, or no wedlock, or we need to get that shame off you. You're chosen. You're chosen. Are you smallest and littlest in your own eyes? Do you have a stutter? Are you, is your high school and primary school experience filled with, I got in front of the classroom and all of me shut down when I had to do oral presentations? You're chosen. You're called. It's you God's chosen. He hasn't decided to call those who have, you know, all got 10,000 masters and everything else we need to do. When I was over in the Philippines, I had a moment and I just went, I'm tired of learning on the job and being stretched from revelation from God because I'm not dot, dot, dot. It's hard when he chooses the weak and the foolish things. I'm weak and I'm foolish. You know, I had to get used to first world. Here I am on a microphone and, you know, in Perth, Australia. But I was a little girl in Africa in Salibi Pikwi. None of you even know where that is. Have you ever said Salibi Pikwi? <laughs> Try saying that as a five-year-old. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yes, <laughs> E. I grew up in Salibi Pikwi where we there were cattle running around on the street. And we're feeding the donkeys when we've mowed our lawn because there's starvation. And riding on the back of open youth, sitting on dead cows and blood all around me. That was my great high school best friend weekend. That's where we go and help the older brothers kill the, sh- the, the cows. <laughs> yeah, the Lord just uses us. He just takes anything and anyone. He takes the nobodies. And I'm not saying everyone in here is a nobody. I'm saying he's chosen you if you're in this room. You have no idea. I saw for the first time this year the mandate on this church. The Lord told me three things when I was away. And I've come back. Big vision. Everything has changed. And it's us he's called. He's not going to go, okay, this is the mandate I have for this church. So I'm just going to slowly get rid of everyone that's there. And then bring in the big guns. Then I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I messaged Brad and Lisa while they are away and I said, I hope you get a little spot of what I got when I was away, where the Lord showed me how big this, what we're doing really is. And Brad replied and he said, the only thing I've been told while I'm over here, he said, besides some fresh prophetic words we've all been given, is he said, the Lord told me that the hundred people we now have in our church community, we're not all here, are the leaders of the tenfold coming. He said, we already have. That's what the Lord said to him. The people we've got now are the leaders of the tenfold. That the Lord has already, the chosen have arrived, and now we're moving forward. But this is, that's where it. So if we're it, what's going on up here in regard to, I'm called, I'm chosen. So I had a great big team meeting with my life team, the pastoral team on Sunday. And I gave them a bit of a big picture of what the Lord's shown me. And how he's going to use us and what he's going to do. And there was some excitement, and there was freak out going at the same time. Because it exposed small thinking. It exposed the small thinking. But I'm just dot, dot, dot. I've had to start sitting with leaders this week and go, can you go to the prayer ministry, please, about your identity and who you are? This isn't going to last on the field. There's an issue here. We're not going to last if I've got you in your condition. But you're the chosen so we need to sort out who am I before I went away to the Philippines I did a, a teaching on purity which I'm going to repost on our church group this next week um, it talked about purity and the gift of discernment and if we've got these spiritual gifts but we've got lack of closed doors from our pasts, things can go wrong 
And I mentioned there that I've been dealing with a tormenting spirit. It's the first time I've ever had it where I've had this, I actually saw, sorry if this freaks you out, but I'm just speaking the truth. But I can't remember where I was, but I saw this, there was a man standing right here, like a see through him, this man and his face, and there were all sorts of things on his face and his attire, I could see everything. So lots and lots and lots of like piercings and, and um, like scarring in his face and they were all sort of sewn to each other. He was so ugly and he was grinning at me, no hair. And he was right here. And then my spirit said, unclean spirit. That's what it was. And since then I've battled with thoughts, unclean thoughts. My heart's never enjoyed it. There's no, there's no, no attachment that's been to it. But I've been on a journey of my authority in Christ. First thing I did for about, it's, it's still been happening by the way, it's only shards of it left. I think I met, did the sermon and I said, I've had this this last week. so. Yeah, it's been now six weeks or so. It's been shocking. But I've grown up in it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But the first thing I learned was if we fear something, we give our authority to it. So if we don't know who we are in the spirit and we start having a spiritual attack, as soon as we get afraid, it's got a hook. So by the grace of God, we happened to go over to the East Coast. You'll remember at the Brad and Lisa and Rachel and Luke and I, we went over to a conference over there. I made great friends with a beautiful, very spiritual, prophetic lady. And I just shared it with her. I said, this is actually what I'm battling with because she was sharing her testimony of how her past, her ex-husband, she was just sharing what she learned about unclean spirits because of what came in and the, 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 the defilement from the other's choices in that marriage and how the Lord's, she now consents it anyway if there's an unclean spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, this is what I'm battling with because you know what my fear was? Is it me? Is it me? Are these my thoughts? That's when we have discerning of spirit, we've got to have the doors shut. Um, is it me? Am I, you know? And she just looked at me and she said, it's not you. And in fact, the very fear you have, she says, as you're talking to me, I see two hooks on your shoulder, um, um, cord coming out of it. She said, you've actually got this hooked in now because of your fear. And she just removed that from me, spoke life over me, and it really, really got a lot better. I submitted to it out of fear because I didn't know who I was. Then I went over to Philippines, still battling with this thing. And it got to a point where on a particular day it got so bad that I went and found Maureen Sanford. It's great when you're having a bad day and you can go, I'll go find the director of Elijah House. <laughs> and I said to her and this other lady, um, Michelle, who I just know this couple are going to come at some stage as well. Um, she is the leader of Elijah House Intercession. And I went before them. I said, help! I was like a kid running away from something really terrible. And they could see it in my eyes. I said, just get this thing off me. I'm not having fun here. I'm not coping. Um, and yeah, just as an equipping thing. So then Michelle looked at me and she said, because she's a discerner of spirits. And she said, um, oh, it's, it's a transference. You've been doing prayer ministry and haven't cleansed yourself afterwards. Or you've done some deliverance and you haven't done a proper washing. Note to self. And so she just did um, a, a prayed over me. But then I said, actually, can I have a bit of a prayer ministry session with you? So four days later, we had about a half an hour prayer ministry session where I just checked, have I got any doors open in this area? It's a good thing to do. And there were a couple of little ones that might have. Not big things, but it was actually, yeah, I don't know if I've ever prayed that. And yeah, I did do that. And yeah, I had that soul tie back then. And we just did all that. And then I said, can you just pray for me now? Is it gone? Is it gone? Is it gone? And she goes, oh, as I was praying with you, I saw bits and pieces. I was flicking them off as we went. It's like, okay, thanks. She's such a spiritual mom. And I left there, and it's been so much better ever since, but it's just got little bits there. So then 
Mark Sanford, while we're over there, is teaching on something at the front, I can't remember, and he said, oh, and sometimes the Lord lets us be tormented, sometimes spiritually. My ears pricked up, I'm like, that's me. The Lord lets us? Hmm, might be some wounding attached to this sentence. The Lord lets us be tormented. And he said, because we've been passive, We've not been fighters, we've been really passive when it comes to spiritual warfare. So the Lord lets it happen so we can develop our muscles a bit and actually learn who we are and learn how to fight. And I went, that is so me. That is so me. What am I doing? As soon as I saw this thing, I saw this thing. He even gave me the clue. Here's the unclean spirit. Have a look in his face. And then he goes, and I'm like, is it me? What's it doing? I was like, oh my gosh, Amy. And then, and then I haven't really been dealing with this thing. It's six weeks off. The Lord showed me when it comes to spiritual warfare, if I have to fight for someone else, oh my gosh, look out, spirit world. I'm a kind of, I have from, from early, from young, if there's someone manifesting, I'm like, let me at him. And I want to be in there. And clothes are flying and I'm just like, out, out. But if it comes to me, and it's something I'm battling with, and I'm unwell physically. Do I pray for myself physically? I've had an area of, I've had chronic pain this October. It's ten years that I've had I've had chronic pain. I don't think I've ever once gone after it myself. It's a bit late to have that revelation. You want to have that a year in, <laughs> but um, I've gone for lots of prayer. Rescue me, O oh you of faith, for me. And, and I've, you know, yep, Jesus heals, and I've prayed for Jesus to heal me. But I've actually never once stood up and gone, no, and fought the thing myself. Yeah. Yeah. My dad does that. Every time he sneezes, I'm healed, I'm healthy, in Jesus' name. It's like you're all having dinner, and it's like, I'm healed, I'm healthy, it's like, can we go back to dinner now? I'm watching a movie. I'm healed, I'm healthy, it's so good. Three sneezes, and then I'm blessed, I'm healed, I'm healthy. So it speaks to all of Wow. Okay. So he says the blessing four times, so it's one more than the sneeze. But that's what I've grown up with an example. It's back pain, and he's fighting it in the spirit. And I looked at him going, that's great. Wow. I'm curling up in pain. And then I have this same thing, this tormenting spirit. I'm still, still, sorry. Not once have I actually got up and properly fought it. I have learned that some spiritual warfare doesn't have to be guns blazing and actually that's sword movement. But it doesn't have to be that kind of thing. It can be. <laughs> I can tell I'm still learning. It can be that we rest from our beds. It's actually a position of authority. It doesn't mean we have to be like, ah, and the enemy's looking at you going, yeah, you don't actually believe Jesus is strong, do you? We can be saying heaps of things, but what's the position in our heart? So while I was over there learning that I'm highly passive when it comes to spiritual warfare about anything to do with myself, which is quite a victim mentality and spirit, um, I read one of Jen, uh, the, um, Lana Borsa, so she's an internationally known prophetic person who lives in Australia, and she put a post up on Facebook about the word BASTA, B-A-S-T-A. She was in the night, the Lord woke her with this word, and she looked it up, it's one of the European languages. It's not French. Because that's, oh, it, yeah, basta, it means enough. And so, and, and, and she knew it had to do with his people being tormented by spirits, and actually all that was required is enough, no, instead of having to go in arms flailing. So since then, <laughs> so my dad's the sneezing, and I'm blessed, but people probably walk past me, all I'm like is, basta, 
and I keep walking. <laughs> oh, stop. But I have. I've been just, I just say it out loud at different times the last few weeks because I just, people are like, she called me a bastard. <laughs> I just to just swear it at me and she went past people. But I just had to go. That's all the guns I've got at the moment is just to say no and stop. So I think it's made the huge difference is that I'm actually just going into rest about my authority in Jesus and I'm just saying no and enough and it's done most of the work. So, um, yes, you need to know who you are and your circumstance doesn't dictate who you are. God qualifies and equips those that he calls. So he's not calling the qualified and he's not calling the equipped. He's not calling the qualified and calling the equipped. He's qualifying and equipping the called. We just have to know who we are and say yes. And there will be a battle about who you are, both your spiritual calling, but just who you are as a person. A few years ago, the first conference we ever did as a church. Anyone there? Back to life. Back to life. Back to life. Yes. We did the first conference. And, um, and, and it was a conference to start getting people aware of inner healing. Because two months later, we were going to start Elijah House Schools Perth. And so we did this conference. And David um, Tenson, who was the director of Elijah House at that time, came over. And we tag team preaching. So two weeks before this conference, I think the Lord was like, do you know who you are? I'm not saying you caused this. But I did have a pastor in Perth spend two hours telling me who I'm not. I'm too young. I'm single. I'm a woman. And I have no children, which means I have no fruit in my life. And have, you can't go over in a healing ministry when there's no fruit in your life. And you have no covering. So you're releasing the demonic into the church, into the ministry, into the life of house because you're preaching without a covering. And I understand there's confusion when it comes to the text and to the word and to all about this. But I can't tell you how much I know what I don't have. I know that I'm doing this single and a woman and young. I'm the youngest on the whole prayer ministry team in Perth of those who are qualified prayer ministers. And when I went to the Philippines, I was the youngest there and the newest prayer minister in the internship. I know I've only been doing it for three years and I'm the school course leader. I know what I'm not. I know I don't have a husband running with me in ministry. It's not how I planned this. That's been a grief and a loss. I know I don't have children. I've grieved that. But I had this person and used the Bible and it was just his brokenness and his repentance. And he was a friend and that's why it hurt. But he told me who I wasn't. And I just replied out of peace and asked more questions, and they went. And I felt shaken to the core. I saw myself as a tree, and all the leaves came off. Like someone had taken a tree and gone, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. And all I had left was, what's in my core? What was in my core? All that came to mind as I'm sitting there is all the things God's told me of who I am. Because I read and listen to my prophetic words often. And I read this thing. It really tells you who you are, and it really tells him you who he is. And so I got so shaken, and all I had left was, but he chose me, but he called me, and he said, now is the time. I know I'm not trying to grab a microphone. I'm not going after a, a, a stage with anything. He's always had to push me there. And I'm like, oh, this isn't the picture I had of how it would happen, when it would happen in the context of my life. But he's gone, now, 
and I chose you and speak. And I live doing what I'm living here. I haven't done a master's degree in counseling. And that's fine to do one. I signed up at Table College two years ago to do one. A master's to get my counseling and theology. Great thing to have when you're pastoring in a church and you're overseeing the pastoral team. And someone gave me cash for the whole first semester. And the Lord said, no. I had no peace, no peace whatsoever. I gave the cash back and I pulled out my application. In the natural, that's bonkers. It can look like mismanagement. It's actually good for us to, to, it's actually wise and loving for us to equip ourselves properly. I'm not saying don't. But the Lord's like, I have called you. I will equip you. So I've been getting equipped through other means, using wisdom, and I'm loving you by equipping myself. But I'm constantly doing what I do publicly and stretched. I'm uncomfortable in this church because I haven't had the training I need to do what I'm doing. I'd rather go away for four years, know everything, and come back and teach about what I know. But every week I teach about what he's teaching, I-N-G, which is really uncomfortable. And he's stretching me in front of you all the time. I don't like it. It's cost me everything. And the most of the things I preach out of it is because I'm walking it. And the losses and the waiting periods and the wilderness, everything I've taught on, I've walked through. And I don't like that method. I want to go to table <laughs> So give me your money. <laughs> I don't like this method. But the Lord's gone, I know who you are. Start doing, like, is this who you are or is this who you're not? So I got up two weeks after that two-hour conversation. And I preached at my first conference. And we opened the Elijah House schools as I planned. And I can't explain the hugeness of the call. We aren't supposed to just have people healed in this church. The Lord's got a huger picture. I'm just going to let you in on a little bit of it. I freak my team out. But we're actually going to be a centre more for training others. People are going to come and stay. We're going to be a hub for WA. And people are going to be, we're going to get lodgings and houses. And it's going to be, we're going to have a transformation centre. So this is what I was dreaming while I was away. And I'm writing down all the other things we need when it comes to health. And mental health and marriage counseling and Christian naturopaths. I'm doing all of that brainstorming while I'm in the Philippines with the fan directed only at me because there was no aircon. Can't get off the bed because the fan's only here. So I'm sitting and I'm writing this transformation center. And it's not just that we're going to have prayer ministers, we're going to have a training center where whole teams from churches will be trained. And, 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 plus the other things of a refuge for women, for men, for the down and outers. But we're not going to just be a hospital. We're going to be a school for people to go and have hospitals for those who need them. And the Lord really started to talk to me about this transformation center. Um, And then the how of how to do it. And he told me who I was. He told me two things while I was away. He told me who I was in the spirit. And I wrote them on the back of my page. And other stories happened around that. And... I met with the people who do the internships of the Light House internationally, and they were praying for a such and such, and that's the title that the Lord spoke to me about that week. Like, I can't, I can't even explain why I can, but I'm choosing not to. Um, how big it is and what he said while I was away. But if we don't know who we are, we won't get on that stage and pick up that microphone. And maybe all of you, I mean, like, imagine if I hadn't done that conference and we didn't have the schools, and we didn't have Elijah House in... Perth and all of the fruit that's come from I if I didn't know who I was none of this would be happening 
It's really important we know who we are by getting rid of what we think we're not. The only thing we need is to do not be afraid. That's all we need. The other thing we can't freak out about is how small we are. So then Gideon's like, cool, there's this fleece and there's this fleece and it's wet and it's dry, so you're going to use me. Cool, I'm here. And here's my 32,000 men in the army. Doom, doom. Of course you feel like you're going to do a great job when you've got 32,000 people. We don't have 32,000 people. Am I going to wait for 32,000 people? And the Lord went, awesome. If I leave you with 32,000 people, you're going to have pride. Because you're going to go, oh, we're so <laughs> and he's like, so we're going to whistle you down. So Gideon, can you ask your 32,000, any of them who are afraid? Key word. If you're afraid, trust issues, which means they didn't believe God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Tell them to go home. 20,000 left. Some trust issues. God knew if you don't trust who I am when you get on the field, this ain't going to happen. So that means they were totally going in their own strength. Do you get it? So 20,000 came home who hadn't sorted out that. So then he's like, okay, here we are. And there's a whole bunch more. And then God's like, oh, now I need to take out some more. I need to take out some more. Took them to the edge of the water. Those who get down and, you know, drink from down there, send them home. Only those who grab the water and lap like a dog, keep those people. So now we've got 300 left out of 32,000. 300. I think that's a good checkpoint for Gideon to go, is God going to do it or is God going to do it? Because if we've got God's going to do it, we've got 2,000 in our church. Then it's like, no, we're going to do it because he chose us and look at us. We're so great. But if God's going to do it because we're just dot, 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 that sounds a bit more like the kingdom. So we're fine. We're doing great. So um, it got down to 300 and then there was a strategy. And I'm going to get on to that soon. But before we get on to what the strategy is, and God's doing a lot at the moment about strategy of how to do what we're doing, we need to whittle down to those that know who he is and know who we are. And if it's just a few of us left, that's okay. We don't want the wounding to happen once we go in with the strategy. It's very important we sort it out. Another thing we need to really sort out is who is each other? Who are they? Three hugest areas of prayer ministry that's come up this year when there's been sand flying everywhere is who's God, big woundings with God, or who am I, I don't know who I am and I'm just ABCD and all bad words. And the third one, people don't like me, I don't fit in the church, I don't belong. All the rejection issues have come up the first half of this year. That's good, because it was in there anyway. That's the Lord's kindness, because he chooses armies, not individuals. He chooses armies. He decided to not meet all of our needs. Don't shoot me down. God meets all of our needs by using people. He actually made us to be interdependent. Dependent on him fully, but interdependent on each other. We can't do this unless there's unity. We can't. We won't. It'll be us going out there as individuals. Yay, God's good. Tick. Yay, I'm good. Tick. Let's all go out as individuals because we don't trust each other. Huge gaps between us, arrows coming through. Like if we don't have solid 
knowledge that we are wanted, we are welcome, we are seen, we are knowable. It's only when we get alongside other people that actually the foundation of all the cracks of who I am come up because suddenly it's like, I don't think they're like this. And I, and all, if insecurity is coming up when we come into unity, it means the who am I thing isn't sorted. Or there's a deep offense because everyone else isn't something. It's kindness of the Lord that this topic has been rife first half of this year. Self-rejection and people rejection roots won't look after us when we're out there. It needs All of it needs to come out. So there's been sand flying everywhere. Right up into core leadership, all the way down, the subject has come up and been being dealt with. We need to finish dealing with it. If you're in this place on a Sunday, or you avoid some community things because of insecurity, or um, your, your wounding is when it comes to interpersonal, the, the kindness of the Lord is that's exposed at the moment, and fight against it, using people. Get around us, let's get prayer ministry into that wound. You need to know, I'm called, God's good, and we're good. Each other's good, and corporateness is good, and having needs and communicating needs and realizing needs get met is really important, okay? We can't do this thing if the rejection thing is still going. So let's stay brave, fight for each other, and get that one cleaned out. So in this month of fasting, three key areas. For some of us, we've had two or three of them going. Anyone looking at that list and going, actually about two of them have been my battle, all three of them. It explains why it's been a hard six months. But there's hope in all those three areas. The last one, if any of this is up and running, is false refuges, so sin. So idols, addictions. The kindness of the Lord is all over this. You know that he knows what set us up to be tempted to overeat. Sexual sin, TV. We can, we can have a false refuge of anger. We can just go to that and hide in that and sit in the fence. Self-pity is a, is a false refuge. It's not just that it's an object. It can be a disposition. Victim mentality, that's a disposition. That's a false refuge. We need to leave it. Gaming, shopping. He actually knows what set us up. He knows what set us up. He's so kind. He knows what gaps there were that we were tempted and fell into using that as a crutch just to manage. Cigarettes, drugs, alcohol. He knew we just weren't managing. Isn't it weird that the Lord made humans with an ability to be addicted to something? Isn't that that he would even, that that would be in us? Not so it's like, yeah, because you're so sinners like I thought you were. It's sometimes and when we didn't know him, a crutch got us through. But the Lord's saying, there's nothing that I can't replace and be that thing to you. And we cannot go into the next season with these things still first place in our life. We cannot. And it might be, yeah, but it's just this for me. Any open door in sin affects the corporate body. Secret sexual sin, defilement to the corporate body, and we'll be stuck somewhere. We won't know what's stuck. Undealt with past occult involvement, undealt with um, generational lines. Deal with them. If there's addiction in your generational line, get some prayer ministry for that. 
any areas where we knowingly are seeking this thing and using this thing because we just can't find the Lord's face, it's an open door to the community. It's a kink, it's an opening in our armor. And when we move forward on the front line, arrow in. Okay, so on behalf of loving our brother and sister, even if we don't maybe love ourselves enough to get out, please get help. You will only find arms and legs and everything wrapped around you. But grace, what did I say earlier when I taught on this? Grace is not covering our sin. Oh, it's okay that I'm sinned because there's grace. What is grace? The power to get out of sin. That's actually what grace is. Grace isn't the covering, doesn't matter because I died in your place. Grace is that because I died in your place, there is now a petrol, grace, is fuel to get out of this thing so now we can have hope do you see the difference sometimes grace has gotten us to stop in it and use that as a it's okay card instead of to use it as fuel and go there is enough grace for me to get out of this so let's get connected is this okay so this next month when we're fasting for yourself be going which one of these which one of these needs cleaning as I fast, as I skip a meal, or as I do without a particular product for the whole month or something, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart and do a work in me. Organize some prayer ministry. Write to me, see me, or I'm just going to put Martin and Teresa. Just see Martin and Teresa or myself if you want someone to help you get in touch with someone who can do prayer ministry. We've got the names, we've got the numbers. Get these healed. If this is your area, now is the time. There's this beautiful pocket of mercy before we go forward. And I want to close with, well, what is forward? Where, where are we going? If we don't know where we're going, then we, you know, if we don't have an aim, then we'll go anywhere. Yeah? When Jennifer Eva has came, she said over and over, what's your one, what is your 100-year vision? Uh, we don't live past 100 years. Yeah, I know. What's your 100-year vision as a church? I don't know. Oh, they've got a 100-year vision. They've got a 100-year family vision as a family unit, two adults and two kids. What's the legacy? We, what are we doing towards our grandkids' upbringing and our great-grandkids' upbringing? Then they've got a 100-year vision for their town. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? When we have these four things sorted especially, there is a strategy. There's a strategy. Every little battle Gideon had to do, there was a, now do it this way. There's only 300 of you, but... Have a horn each, do, 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 and that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna stand around the camp at nighttime and they're gonna get all confused. Who would have thought of that? Joshua taking over the promised land. What was the first place? Before the first battle was this area called Gilgal. All the men are like, what happened to Gilgal? Mass circumcision. Before the battle comes sanctifying self. That's why we're fasting. We feel in this season of upgrade, it's time to come low, get rid of pride and get rid of any sin that's still in play. The cutting season needs to happen. And some of us have been in a long-term cutting season where all of our, our flesh has had to come to death. Yeah? It's been lots of you know things being pulled out by being in community and lots of the Lord just taking away and sanctifying us. Gilgal has to happen, and you've been so faithful and well done for holding on. And then after the sanctifying comes, which is the strategy, you'll find if you come to Burning Ones, which is good, come join the party, it, there's a lot of repentance going on. 
Because the strategy always comes with sanctification, cleansing, cleanse us. We stand in on behalf of the city, on behalf of the Christians, on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of, and we do lots of repenting. And then lots of strategy. So Joshua, after Gilgal, it was Jericho. How do you take Jericho? Silence for six days, six days walking around saying nothing. Tell soldiers, go into the war zone and be quiet. It's not part of the training, yeah? Strategy is important, we've got to be listening. Six days, seventh day, trumpet, the wall falls down for you. Don't we want that kind of, like, can we have that in our future? That's in our future, strategy, without these four things. After that, what was the next place? I don't know how to say it. A-I, two vowels that are in my name. Just teasing. <laughs> did they use the same strategy six times around? Like, what if they did that? No. They just went, oh, you'll only need a few guys because God's so awesome. They didn't ask God. Sent in a few people. And then they got chased. So then they had to do a cleansing. And the Lord went, yeah, you know why you battled? You know why it didn't work? False refuges. You stole objects. You've got stuff hidden under your tents. Clean. We've got to clean all the time. They cleansed. They stoned. They killed people. And then we won't do that, but it's tempting sometimes. And then they, they cleansed, and then they went back, and then the strategy came. And what's the strategy? Have an ambush from the back. Some of you go in and go, nah, 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 nah. They'll chase you again, and an ambush come from the back, the west, and take it. And they did that. All the battles were different. If we don't know who the Lord is, some of those, Joshua did a battle, and it says, on the second day, the Lord did it. And it was always the Lord did it. It's really good for our pride. Did prime ministry today? No, the Lord did. I did speaking, I did worship. The Lord does it. On the second day, the Lord gave them that city. What would you have done of 12 hours of fighting on the first day and gone to bed? You had to know, okay, maybe it's tomorrow. You've got to know who he is. So then on the second day, the Lord did it. Other battles in the wilderness was hail came and killed everyone by ice. Like that didn't happen in Jericho. There's a strategy. But we have to be listening we have to be actively we have to be a, a church of intercessors not a church with intercessors yes. <laughs> and all the intercessors on the front row are like yeah they're not intercessors they're not they're equippers when you're called into a leadership position you're not that person you equip people to be that thing they're the intercessor equipping team as they mean we are a church of intercessors, so we should be, I'm not saying shoulds in an expectancy, I'm saying it would be great if we are, on coming to each burning once, each burning once has had a different strategy that's come up during the month, we're going to repent of this, this time we're going to take that stronghold. And it's a group of six quirky, too short, too small Gideons, and these armies are getting defeated, yeah? But we don't want to say the small numbers, we do like the bigger not because it's our power power stays with the lord but the point is the strategy comes and we've got to constantly clean this battle take the gold this battle don't touch any of the gold check their purity this battle take everything the horses everything this battle hamstring every single horse imagine just going through an entire city and killing off every horse when you are a fighting army you want the darn things but it's well does provision come by the way you get it or the way that i give it to you we need to stay pure. We need to stay pure, but we need to deal with those four things. Time is up. Earlier this year, I did a teaching on telling you where we've come from, because we've got a lot of new people, and I shared the last seven years, this is what we've done, this is where we've gone, these are the thresholds we've come through. And I played a prophetic word from, is Brendan in the room? From, I'm gonna just do the one from your phone. 
thank you, from two years ago, and not two years ago, many years ago, Bob Hazlitt, when it was our second year, I think, as a church, and he prophesied about this building, it would be on an around about, none of this was here, you know, we were in a meeting in a church, uh, a, a library, and he told us all the things that were going to be on us, he said things like, homes for women who need a refuge, there's going to be a lot of the worship that comes out of this church, all the things that we have different people dream about into in this church. He said, I wanted to play it for you because I think you need to know, but where are we going? Where are we going when we've got all those four things sorted out? Then only two weeks ago, I come back and I'm like, Brad, I need to talk to you about this transition center, this, this, what are they called? Transformation center and dreaming and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, we've had a prophetic word about a transformation center for like 18 months now. I'm like, I didn't know that. And then he's, and then he, I hear, come and hear the talks about a cafe coming out of this church, which has been in the pipelines at different times, but now Hannah is going to be overseeing that late afternoon, because you've got the gym people and the dance people that come, the parents, that there's going to be a little cafe pop up here just to minister and start impacting the community. So I come back to that news, knowing that it's conversation for a while now. And then he plays me this prophetic word I've never heard before. So all I've done, I've chopped it all and just gone down to the couple of minutes. I just want to hear this little snippet, just so you can hear a corner of how massive the call is on our life. So this is by Gary Morgan, who, in big prophetic person, sat with Brad and Lisa in a cafe. There's a lot of cafe music in the background. Get used to it, it's coming. <laughs> so, but excuse the, the horror that's in the background. I just caught this little bit. And then that was 18 months ago, and I hear the 18 months. It's exactly 18 months ago, because then he says, in 18 months, blah, 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 and that's now. It's like, right now is what this prophetic word was about. Thank you. And I see you guys planting. It's almost like another church within a church. And the word I heard was transformation center. And I feel like it's a transformation center where where people are going to come to be not just informed but transformed. And I see you utilizing your building Monday to Saturday that's really going to be an expression of a Sunday. And, and I see literally Transformation Center. And it's it's literally going to be something that's going to be literally through the week and different times. And I, I see appointments being made where people come in for, for prophetic ministry, for, for counseling. And I feel like there's rooms within your building. And I see, well, I see rooms being developed that are, that are colorful, that are state-of-the-art sound stuff in them that's, that's causing environments for transformation and I feel like God's going to literally empower the people that's with you and it's going to be like David and his mighty man and women but the Lord's giving you people that you, you've wondered why have I got such a caliber of leaders but yet we haven't got much of an outworking but the Lord says it's been a three-stage thing that you've been in it's, it's been a planting it's been a growing and now it's a fruiting time and it's going to be a sign to you because there's a planting that's happening either close to you or close to the church that you're going to start to see fruit on. And I see like lemons and I see like uh, different trees bearing fruit. But it's going to be a sign to you that the season has come to start bearing fruit in that area. The other aspect I saw as well was, was a, I don't know if it's a cafe or a, a coffee shop, but it's particularly to do with outreach. And it's, it's got like a small stage in there and it's like um, featured artists 
just totally cut back, but it's, it's environment. And I really feel like God is calling you guys to be like a thermostat in your area where you begin to dictate the environment. But there's certain things that God's going to give you to do that's going to begin to add to that environment. The other aspect I saw as well is, is you feel like you've been playing chess. And it's like you felt personally you've been in this stalemate. And it's like, I've done everything. And I feel like the Lord is saying there's a move that's going to take place in the next 18 months that's going to cause not a stalemate, but a checkmate. That's only part of a longer prophetic word. Added to the rest. And Brad and Lisa said, oh, we've got prophetic words while we're over here. So did Abby Joss. And they're bringing them um, back. And he's going to share on that next weekend. But it's big. He chose us. Can we deal with the that we're only dot, dot, dot? Can we deal with any... So pride comes into this? So can we deal with that? Can we deal with who he is? And can we deal with who each other is? Because you're it. If you're here and you've chosen this as your church, you're chosen, you're called, and we're a movement. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. All right. So those things can't be dealt with. Well, they can, but... Probably not in one small prayer, but I would like to invite the Heart Life team and any other mature Christians around us who help with these things to come up and just confess if any of these three, and just ask the Lord to begin a journey in any of these three here, or if this fourth one, if there's something going on, just come. We would love to pray for you, but, but can you take responsibility maybe over this next month to just make an appointment with some prayer ministry, get some help, get this dealt with. We need you. We want you. We want you. Some of you need to know that. We want you. We choose you. Come join us. Just as I close in prayer, just come on up, Heart Life Leaders. I'd just like to pray. Sounds a bit dramatic, but if you want to join me, if you want to say yes to the call that's on this church, on your life, I'd like you to just stand and take your position. There's an army and he's chosen you. So if you have any issues with what's on the board, come up and get some prayer and confess it. But if you're like... I actually feel like I'm here as long as the Lord graces me to be here and I want to take my place on the battlefield. I would just like, I felt like I could knight. I could do a knighting. So I'm standing up as a mother in the spirit doing what the Lord has told me I am and called me to do. And I just release, Father, I just knight the people in this church, Father, to receive and to come to peace with the fact that you have called them for a time such as this. You've called this church for a time such as this. And instead of spending so much time in victim mode and in I'm just this and where are you, God? And we're floundering in the mess of past. Our past has just got tentacles around our heels. It's time to grow up. It's time to stop battling with the, the... the foundational years that still encroach and the generational lines that still encroach and the lies about who we are, the lies about who each other is, the lies about who God is. It's time to grow up, to leave that behind. And I just, I invite you to take your place, to step into the the spot that is your call to take. No one can do what you do. No one can be who you are. We need you. We need you, but we need you up and running and full, knowing who you are in Christ. Father, I just thank you for a real season of knowing who our identity is, 
Would you just release courage and boldness? Would you release revelation in the scriptures for us to know who we are as we read it, Lord? May we start to stand up and going, I am, because you have made me great. You are our glory and the lifter of our head. Help us to stand up and move. Get us out of these wheelchairs a whole bunch of us are in. Lord, it's a, half of this room have been in wheelchairs. Lord, we just repent of these wheelchairs and it's been our victim mentality and our small thinking and our judgments against ourselves and our self-rejection and our, our, our wounding with you. Lord, our victim mentality, our helplessness, the strongholds of helplessness, help us to... We're weak and we're shaky, but we choose to stand up out of these wheelchairs and take steps forward to go, I am a child of God. 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 And children don't suit wheelchairs. It's not okay. And in the spirit even, I just bind every spirit of victim mentality and rejection and every spirit, that every stronghold that comes with learned helplessness. I bind it in the spirit right now in Jesus' name. We come out of agreement with that thing. We come out of agreement with passivity. I bind passivity. I bind passivity, the Ahab spirit that has been in a lot of men in the church. I bind that Ahab passive spirit in Jesus' name. We come out of agreement with that. And false strength of Jezebel, the false control. We repent of that and we come out of that. And I bind that spirit. We don't need to exert ourselves. We just need to stand in who we are. We don't need to be passive and lie down. We need to get up and take our places. And I thank you for writing us in this next month, Lord. Would you uproot us and re-sow us and hem us in as a standing army, focused on what's ahead, no longer wrestling with what's behind. Take us, Lord. Use us. We say yes to the call. Give us the courage. All you say is, as you go in, be strong and courageous. That's it. That's the, that's the tool. Be strong and courageous and go. And Lord, it is you who defeats the armies. One after one after one after one. We thank you for the strategy. We thank you already for new strategy tonight, 6 p.m. We thank you for the strategy of the next season. We thank you for being so kind to us. To let us in on where you're going and what to do. We're listening. We're listening. We're listening. Be glorified, God. Be glorified. You be the glory. Keep us low and humble for the next hundred years in this mandate, Lord. Never let us get into pride. It's your anointing that breaks the yoke. It's your anointing that breaks the yoke. But thank you that you use the foolish things of this earth to confound the wise. We say yes and take our place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.